how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Darren Prescott was attracted to the challenge of stunt work. Early in his career, he doubled for Arnold Schwarzenegger and Hugo Weaving. Thanks to his training in martial arts, driving, motorcycles, and snowboarding, he even competed in the 2001 X Games. Moving from stunt work to stunt coordinator and second AD, he's known for projects like Eraser, Fight Club, Jackass, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Spider-Man 2, The Born Ultimatum, Drive, John Wick, True Detective, Baby Driver, and Black Panther. Now Prescott is using his talents for the James Mangold film Ford v Ferrari. American car designer Carol Shelby and driver Ken Miles battle corporate interference, the laws of physics, and their own personal demons to build a revolutionary race team for Ford in the 1966 race. In this interview, Prescott talks about misconceptions in stunt work, how they used car foo in the John Wick series, why Jackie Chan uses his environment to increase production value, how they shot the chase scenes in Drive, and how budget is less important than rehearsal time and action sequences. Stay tuned for more interviews on Ford v Ferrari coming soon. And if you enjoyed this interview, join thousands of viewers for the new YouTube video essay series, Creative Principles, which dissects new films, series, and more. I always like the idea of um, kind of the adventure of it, something different every day. The um, the game of trying to pull off the most exciting stuff without getting hurt or not too hurt. Um, you know, it's just stunts is funny. It's not something you can really train for specifically because it's always different, right? Like you can you can train to do high falls, but when you're on the set and you go to do it, it's a high fall. But there's you know you got to look over here and then you got to carry this gun and then throw the gun halfway through the fall and then rotate, you know, it's, it's always different. You're never going to be able to just rep it and do it. So it's always a challenge. Um, I don't know. I guess that was it. So I know in acting, when you're starting out, there's a push to kind of say yes to anything. I, I assume there's the same obligation. Stunt work, but there's also more danger with that. Do you kind of feel like, is there anything you feel like you couldn't do? Or maybe when you started out that you wanted to avoid at first? Well, stunts is kind of different in that respect. Like the, the golden rule is to never say that you can do something you can't. That's the kiss of death. Um, cause you pretty much get one chance. And if you, if you turn out to be that guy, you won't get another chance. So you always wanted to kind of understate what you can do. Um, you know, if you ride motocross, but you're not a, a professional factory sponsored rider, you want to let them know that I ride motocross at a, intermediate level or a novice level or whatever. 
Um, same with martial arts and gymnastics and all that, because you're going to come up against people that are pro or, you know, former Olympic athletes or whatever. Um, and usually, you know, the stunt coordinators were always cool as long as they knew what you could do. Um, you know, there were, there were, I, I don't remember specifically getting asked to do a stunt that I couldn't do. Um, you know, there, there certainly could have been the opportunity where there were things that were outside of my skill set. Um, they just never really came my way. Um, you know, and some things like the matrix and things like that, they were, it was a, it was an audition. I think they auditioned 300 fighters. So it wasn't like anybody could, you know, over promise or under promise what they could do. You just put it on the line right there, which was great. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, I, I kind of pride myself in, from, from the other aspect of it. You know, you, it, as long as it's within your skill set, it might be something that's scary or you're, you know, something like that. And I've, I've never had to back out of a stunt because of something like that. That's kind of a honor sort of thing. I think with stunt people. I know you got to kind of start coordinating a little bit with the born supremacy. Um, what are the main differences besides maybe leadership between a coordinator and a stuntman? Do you need to know elements of the story? Like what are some things that people might not expect um, about those two differences? Yeah, the funny people, people ask that a lot. And the funny thing is, is, you know, when you're a stuntman, your mindset is that everything's probably going to be okay. Like you really don't want to focus on all the things that could go wrong. I mean, you're, you're as safe as you possibly can be, but at some point, you know, you're jumping off a building or you're, you're lighting yourself on fire. So you're, it's a very positive mindset um, that everything's going to be okay. Then you move into coordinating, which is more of a managerial position. Most guys don't really want to be coordinators. It's just a necessary step. Um, and it's a way to find longevity in a career that, you know, may not be so long for some people. Um, you know, when you go into a coordinating position, now you're responsible for the safety. So now you have to switch your mindset and go to think about all the things that could go wrong. You know, what happens if he loses control of that car and now you're looking at a, you know, a B camera that's set up on the side of the road. What happens if, you know, that thing flips over there? What happens if this falls on that? You know, you're, you're, it's a weird mindset to transition into. And then at the same time, you know, everybody still wants never before seen action, you know, the latest, greatest thing. So it's a balancing act to try and keep things as safe as you possibly can while still maintaining, you know, some excitement and some action. It's a, it's a completely different mindset. What are some other um, aspects of that? So I saw an interview you did where you said something like everyone wants matrix action and born car chases. Uh, we kind of see both of those in the John Wick films. And it's really just, it, it seems like from a viewer, it's taking the time to do the prep work. But how do you make fights or car chases feel more authentic with less time? I know you kind of had that situation on drive. Yeah, it's about, you know, it's that old Jackie Chan um, adage that, you know, you use your environment and you, you use what you have and, and really try to focus on what you have and, and not so much on what you don't. So, you know, you take something like the matrix where, um, I mean, I was on the fight team, but we had, I think we had six months of just fight rehearsals on that. 
show and on Bourne, we had a ton of prep where we trained Matt to drive and we were able to rehearse the gags and, you know, millions of dollars are put into these chases. And then you show up to like a John Wick where the first John Wick, we didn't really have much money and we're shooting in New York, which is the probably one of the worst places to shoot a car chase. Um, they're just so uh, against any sort of car chase type action. So, and we didn't have the money. We didn't have fast and the furious money or matrix money. And you know, the, I don't think the audiences really care. Nobody goes to the movie theater and says, oh, well, that was cool for a $10 million movie. You know, they just go, well, it wasn't Fast and Furious. So you're constantly trying to use what you can. So, you know, like with Wick, for example, when we went to New York, we knew if we went out on public roads, it would kill us. They won't let you go more than 30 miles an hour. The lockups are horrible. It's just a nightmare. So we said, hey, let's design a chase based on the character and, and the story and what would John Wick do in a car chase where well, he'd use his car as a weapon. So we don't really need a big car chase. We need, you know, we ended up deeming it Kung, uh, car foo, which was like a, you know, the same with gung foo. And we, we kept it all in a private uh, property in the, in the Brooklyn Navy yard and kept it within and probably half a football field. And, and all his car stuff was done in and around that one little area. And people loved it. Um, you know, and same thing with drive. It was just about keeping it within the box and trying to find new and exciting ways to put things on screen. And, um, you know, that drive crash that was over Christina Hendricks, we, we were able to rehearse one time and, and it didn't go the way we thought it would. We, we were referencing a rally crash that the director loved and we tried to duplicate it. And it just, you know, with car things, it's a lot of a lot of energy, a lot of forces going in different directions. And a lot of times it's hard to replicate those forces. And we did one test and thought we were, we were close and it, it wasn't close at all. And they had no more money for another test. And so we kind of tweaked from what we learned from that one test and talked to the director and the producers and said, we're not really sure you're going to get the wreck you saw, but you're going to get a great wreck. And uh, I think it actually came out better because it was you know over christina that car did like a 360 flat spin in the background that was all in camera you know sometimes it's just adjusting to what you have you're in a kind of unique situation with that film where gosling's uh, ron gosling's playing a stuntman kind of like in hooper were you involved with some of his prep work or do you know any details about how he kind of prepared to to play a stuntman in the film he i was involved with uh, all his training, his driving training. Um, he's a phenomenal driver, by the way. He was amazing. Um, not so much with, I'm trying to remember, it was a while ago, but I don't think so much with the actual stunt man of it. I think he may have asked a few questions, like in the beginning when he does that, that little turnover. Um, I think he just asked kind of what the mindset was there, but the, the actual character he played was, kind of far removed from an actual stuntman. Um, it was just, it was different. And I remember some of the stunt guys being on set and going, what's, what is he supposed to be? And we go, stuntman. And they go, Oh, oh okay. <laughs> and it wasn't because of Ryan's acting. I mean, he's amazing. It was just, you know, how they portrayed it and the costumes and all that was a little different, but um, yeah, he did. I think he did ask about mindset and what we do in certain situations and things like that. What are maybe some of the, the big differences between low budget and, and a, a giant budget? Like you've kind of worked on an array of films now, uh, specifically in car chases. And then maybe where does like Ford and Ferrari fit into this as well? 
you know, they're all different, man. You can get, you know, obviously the lower the budget, you would think the less time and money you have, but I've done massive budget films where they're still only going to give you one take and they don't, you know, a lot of times they can have $200 million, but they're spreading it out over a much bigger pie, you know? So each sequence is massive. So the, you still don't get a lot of money per sequence. Um, you know, it, it really depends. You get a film like the matrix where they understand prep and testing and things like that. And you get all the time and money in the world. Um, and then there's other films that just, you know, it's more about quantity and not so much quality. Um, Ferrari was great in the respect, you know, I get called for a lot of car things. The original script will have, you know, like, like Ferrari will have all these vintage Ferraris and Fords and all these cars. And, you know, you read it and you go, all right, well, we'll see how they're going to do this. And when I went in for the first meeting, they said, no, no, we're going to build, we're going to build these cars. And, you know, just having done it for so long and heard that, I was like, okay, we'll see how this goes. And they, they built them. And that I think made all the difference in the world that and putting the, you know, having actors that can really drive. I mean, Matt, we trained on board and Christian's, you know, phenomenal behind the wheel, a great motorcycle rider and stuff. So having that ability and, and Jim Mangold's understanding of, of, of how important it is to put those actors in situ and not, not green screen them and have them out driving and have the practical cars and, and keep it, you know, again, embrace the, the story and the tone of the film and not have cars flipping end over end and, you know, crazy, crazy flips and trying to duplicate actual car crashes that we've been in or seen or whatever. So I think, you know, that was kind of the, that, and you know, even Baby Driver, we had the time. Baby Driver wasn't a huge budget film, but the time was put into rehearsals. We, they rented us a massive parking lot at Atlanta Motor Speedway, and we went out and shot every single bit of that car chase before, you know, with video cameras before we ever shot it on, on film. So it's, the budget doesn't, you know, it's funny, man. You get $200 million and you, have, you seem like you have no budget, and you get $30 million and you seem like you have a ton. It's just where they want to put the resources. <laughs> How do you, um, for this latest film, like Christian Bale is playing Ken Miles, Matt Damon's Carol Shelby, during the driving scenes, you already kind of mentioned this with John Wick, but how, how would you, without giving away plot details, kind of maybe characterize Ken Miles' relationship to the vehicle? You know, I think that the character was supremely confident in his ability and his knowledge of cars and I think that comes through in the driving. And I mean, he was just a phenomenal driver and, you know, those guys at that time were, um, it was just a different level, man. I think I read something the other day that one out of five guys was dying back then per race or something. It was some crazy amount. You know, we had some guys on the film that their dads had raced there and we had, uh, Alex Gurney and, and Tony Hunt and all these guys who had, their dads had raced in the, in Le Mans or had raced, been a former race car, big time race car drivers. You know, they'd talk about these guys not wearing seatbelts because if the car caught on fire, they needed to get out in a hurry and all the crazy stuff that they would do. And I think that it's, it was just a different mindset then. And for Miles to be the actual Ken Miles to be so confident in his ability and how to set up a car and 
it, uh, it, it was impressive. And I think Christian brought that to the screen so well as he does with everything. Over the course of your career, does it seem like a benefit that there's more of these, especially Matt Damon and Keanu Reeves, actors who are willing to kind of spend the time training? Do you kind of see that as a benefit to make films more authentic? It's such a benefit. I think the audiences are, um, I think the audiences expect more and they appreciate it more when the actors put the time into the character. I mean, when you can sit back on a John Wick and I mean, a lot of those fights are shot. We just sit back and they're shot in a very wide format. And you can only do that if your actor is actually able to do the action, you know, and I think it's, I just think audiences have gotten wise to it. And, and I, I just, I really appreciate it. I think it's a way better product. Um, you know, cause Keanu's going to fight differently than Keanu's stunt double. And, he's going to bring different things to the table. And, you know, Keanu is whatever, 50 something years old and he's, uh, he's been banged up and, you know, he, he limps and he gets tired and things like that. And you watch him fight and then you watch his 25 year old stunt double fight. And it's a different thing. And it doesn't, you lose something there, you know, um, you lose some, a little bit of the humanizing of the character. So I think when, when they're willing to train, I think it's an amazing thing. Um, and I wish they all would. <laughs> it seems to be the major difference as a viewer seems to be like in the editing too. Like they can show him take four or five hits or give and take and then cut versus have a cut with every single swing. So it looks like there's really something happening and there's not, which it's kind of, that seems to be the, the most authentic part about some of it, especially with John Wick. For sure. I mean, that, that's the, you know, for, for second unit or for, for anybody, when you start shooting actors and fights and if they haven't trained or they don't move well, that's, that's get out of jail card, right? You start cutting, cutting, you have to cut to the double, you have to cut to their back. You go super tight lens and really just mix it up and, and move the camera a lot. And it changes the style. And, you know, a lot of people will review some films and go, I didn't like it. The camera was too shaky or too wild or too this or too that. Well, it might've been to hide the fact that the actor didn't want to train. <laughs> the actor showed up and just did the choreo on the day. And, you know, sometimes you just unfortunately get actors who think once they know the choreography that they've got the fight down. So if you get some that are really good at remembering like dance steps, they come in and they go, okay, I throw a left hook and a right cross spinning hook kick here. And okay, I got it. And that's it. But you know the you know the choreo, but you don't. It doesn't flow, you know, and it it we end up having to cut out of it. Does this kind of the authenticity? Does it make you want to lean into films that are maybe eighty percent fighting, like like a John Wick? Because I know if you look at old Jackie Chan films, where they the studios in China gave him the time to to make the fights his own. Versus some of even even his later films in America, they started doing the the shortcuts and almost like they didn't know how to work with him as an editor. Do you kind of look for the people and the projects that are going to put in that work and that give the time to make it look as good as it can? I try and look for the films that are going to do as much in camera as we possibly can, like Ferrari. Um that being said, sometimes you get sold, you know, sometimes 
we go into films and, and, you know, they say they want to do everything in camera or they want to, you know, that this is going to be more grounded action. And then that's not necessarily the case. So sometimes you end up on films that said they were going to do that and they aren't. Um, but ideally I look for, you know, grounded kind of more visceral type films if I can. I'll also pick projects if the director is, is somebody who I'd like to work with, like Ryan Coogler from Black Panther or something, somebody who's got such a great vision and a great take on things. How has kind of the, the stuntman actor relationship changed? Like Tarantino just did Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which kind of covered the way things used to be a little bit, where you know the stuntman did all the work for the actor and they were always worked together. Uh, I've seen your relationships kind of play out there. You've worked with Johnny Knoxville on several films, Matt Damon, Keanu Reeves. How does it kind of help to to maybe know their style or they you know each other's style going into a film? Um, I think it's really important. I mean, you have to know their style. A good stunt double try to emulate the actor's style and his nuances and things. Um, you know, you get a kid like Jackson Spadell who's doubling everybody, and he's so good at you know he he's Deadpool and then he's John Wick and then he's Captain America, whoever he's, he's everybody. And he will emulate their style from how they walk to how they move to, you know, it's amazing. Um, I think it's also really important to know what your actor is capable of. Um, what he can do, what, what's safe for him, where he's comfortable, um, you know, and help, help the director, second unit director, get as much out of the actor as possible without putting them in any sort of harm's way. Is there any advice you have? I know things have, have kind of changed over the years, but any advice you might have or advice you wish you had when you started your career? It's changed, man. It's, um, you know, when I got in, there are kind of two ways to get in. Either you were a specialist, you were a, you know, Olympic gymnast or pro motocross rider, or world champion martial artist, or you were kind of a jack of all trades where you did a little bit of everything. Um, obviously not at a professional level, but you could do a bit of everything. Um, I was the latter. I was the kind of do a bit of everything sort of thing. And it worked out great because I could make a living, you know, one day I'm whatever, doing a commercial plan, an ice hockey player, then I'm racing street luge, then I'm doing a high fall, then I'm, you know, riding a motorcycle into a car. So it, it really helped for me. Um, Chad, who directed the John Wicks was a martial arts specialist. He was world champion fighter kata guy and it worked for him um you know it's the business has changed quite a bit there's not a lot of all-around guys anymore um but there's also a lot more um need for really good fight guys and really good parkour guys i think the level has jumped the the skill level needed i i would it would i'd be scared to be a stunt guy nowadays just because guys are so good um but i think my advice would be to learn as much as you possibly can just don't stop training and try to be as well-rounded as possible if you're a world champion martial artist that's great now go learn to drive learn to ride a motorcycle don't just spend your days in the gym throwing kicks because you got that down you're good (laughs) so i'd say go and make yourself more employable Thank you for tuning into this show. If this is your first time listening, please log on to iTunes or SoundCloud and give us a rating. 
Providing a rating or sharing content is one of the best ways to help the series grow. Make sure to also follow or like us on your favorite platforms like Instagram, Facebook, or the new YouTube series we've started. And check for daily updates over at creativeprinciples.live.